0: Let me know if this describes an experience that you know yourself. Whenever I'm feeling down, let's call it that, when I'm feeling low, when those gray clouds that hang in the sky, even on the brightest days, start to hang within, you just can't quite shake off that feeling of maybe doubt or fear or or you you just just sort of wonder why why. you're not having a great day like you did have the previous maybe two or three days ago. And maybe there's just a little bit of sullenness and bitterness that comes from just the sensation that it used to be good, and why isn't it still good? So what I like to do in those times is I, I love to go see a movie. I like to step into a dark room with a bunch of strangers and sit watching... A glaring LED projection when your peripheral vision becomes black and you can just bathe in the glow of this experience and then especially good movies or you know movies that call up a particular emotion like a like a, like a tearjerker when it literally feels as if it's pulling the emotion from you um, even in the quality of of ambient light Everybody can cry in sort of a vague anonymity so that even the most masculine man can shed a tear and nobody seems to care. Everyone feels safe. Does that sound like something that you do too? I, I, I say that as a, as a person who's trying to change. I say that as a person who's trying to do better, you know. I know that what I really need when I'm feeling this low, drained energy is I really need to go outside. I need to go outside and, you know, as that expression is, sort of touch grass. (laughs) I need to be with a tree. I need to be with just the sounds of a forest. Sounds of birds, wind in the trees. Yet so often I am caught in the glare of some LED screen. Where after a day that feels like work, what I really want to do is just forget about it by dimming my mind compared to the glare of some sort of Netflix show or or a screen. I remember when I was a kid, they would always send a survey around, I think it was maybe once or twice a year, on a tiny little piece of green paper with different bubbles in which they wanted you to assess how much time you were spending watching television or reading, or writing. And no matter what you did, especially around that television question, you always felt like you were showing the wrong answer. The bubbles were quite constraining. You only had the option of never, rarely, sometimes, often. And who among us, if you've watched television for five minutes a day, then wouldn't feel a little bit of constrained guilt at the thought of even allowing that Terrible devil to infect your, your day. Now, this was, of course, a time when television and LED screens were restricted to wall mounts or on a cabinet, you know? Yet even then, they were in every single room, sometimes even a bedroom. And the average American at that time in the early 2000s was watching six hours of television a day. And when you really think about maybe how some people didn't even own a television, that meant that the people that were watching a television were watching a whole heck of a lot more than six hours. Yet of course, now the invitation to escape into a different frame of reality is just right in our phone, right in our pocket. We're always just seconds away from another distraction. We're seconds away from being pulled into a space in which minutes, can turn into half hours, and half hours can turn into hours, and you're left with nothing except this vacant stare, this glean in which it feels as if the curvature of your brain has just been smoothed over. All the ripples in the organ just sanded into a soft sheen. what we are falling into is a poor relationship with beauty people that love movies are no different than those who love or fall into instagram reel scrolling it's all the same it's looking for something outside of ourselves beauty comes and visits visits us in these forms of content whether in cinema or in a TV show, or in a vista, or a panorama. But they come and they're so fleeting. Here, one minute, and go on the next. Oh, I need to do an introduction. You're listening to A Quiet Voice with Colin Ward. If this is your first time listening to A Quiet Voice, well then, my humblest welcome. In this episode, we're going to continue to discuss how the higher forms of ourselves, the guru, God, and the self are all one and how they can often come from strangers or from outside, outside of us. This is certainly an odd start, certainly abrupt, maybe, perhaps. Yet that's the way it's feeling at the minute as the energy of the moment pulls us into a particular experience. Even now, you are captivated, perhaps, by the sound of my voice entering your ears. You've already taken the choice to mute, almost, your surroundings. And now it's just you and me, right? It's just, it's just you and me. The sound of my voice going into your ears, well, that's, that can't be your voice, right? I want to invite you to think on the last time you met a stranger. Now, I don't mean to say in a customer service experience, if you met a cashier or you were at a checkout counter, or even if you were the one working as a cashier or a checkout counter. At those times, it's very tricky. The institutions of business and a transaction and money and exchange of goods or services can start to glean in which the egos are just talking to each other. And you, if you are the employee, become just the face of this larger business. And I do love, as I have spoken about in previous episodes when I received wisdom from the cashier of the supermarket, how some people can penetrate even the thickest corporate veil, almost touch you on the shoulder and remind you that they're a human as well, just like you. Now, when you think on that time that you met a stranger outside of all this corporate scenarios, did you shake hands? Did you hug? Did you smile? Did they smile first? Or did you smile back? Or did you smile first? Who offered the handshake? On a short tangent, which is customary in this podcast, my partner Maria, who I spoke about in a previous episode, the one about Namawe, she's Spanish. And every time I go to Spain, I know I'm always going to be greeting people in their custom and not my custom. The custom in Spain is much, much different than it is in, well, the waspy, uh, white Anglo-Saxon America. There we have a straight back, a chin up, firm handshake, even with women, men, it's all the same. But in Spain, it's, it's a big teeth, smile, laughter, as you kiss cheek to cheek, once on each side. I thought that just the French did that, until I went to Spain for the first time, and then everybody's kissing each other. And it's always shocking how... When you're preparing for that moment, you can feel your body almost tense up in the expectation of this kiss that's going to come. And you start to see that your whole body is starting to almost quiver and vibrate in this nervousness as all of the normal cultural affectations that you're used to become more. They become penetrated. They become, well, you you have to forget yourself to perform. And to act into this their cultural world. And what you find is that it's easier than you think, yet the anticipation is the worst part. Now think back to when you were speaking to that stranger, when you locked eyes, and you looked into their gaze. Did their eyesight quiver, or was it fixed? Did they look to the floor, did they look to the ceiling when they were speaking? And while they were listening to you, did they look away? Now, even if you can't recall a particular moment, you know those people that come into our lives, or maybe you are yourself one who avoids eye contact. And I have the utmost sympathy for those types of people. I am one myself. We all are in some regard. Because we know on some sort of unspoken mutual contract, there's a fine line between no eye contact and too much eye contact. And we don't wanna get too close to too much and we don't wanna have none. So instead we sort of dart back and forth Yet what we fail to acknowledge when we resist eye contact is how the gaze can invite us in the same way that that glare of the cinema into a place that is suspended between two people outside of time and outside of space. They say that the windows to the soul are in the eyes. Well, how many of us are very reluctant to open the shutters and actually let whatever comes into them, come into them. On one day I was trained in a different modalities of divination And divination I spoke about previously, perhaps many different episodes, divination is a way of receiving insight from an outside source, insight related to the future or the past or wisdom from an otherworldly place, let's call it that. And one of the methods of divination that we were instructed on is eye-gazing, eye-gazing for approximately 10 minutes, in which you move far beyond the space of being uncomfortable, and you settle into the place of comfort with the exercise of eye-gazing. Many people don't even do this with their most intimate partners. Yet doing so is to summon a portal to open between you. And in the exercise, even the one I did for 10 minutes with a relative acquaintance, a stranger, practically, I found that projections inside my mind would show. I would have memories of doors slamming. I would have memories of loud banging, almost in the quietness of the exercise, I would start to perceive all of this destruction, all of this shutting down, these illustrations like a slamming door of how I didn't want anyone to see who I really was. After the exercise, we were asked to show or tell The other person, what we saw in this exercise. And at this time, this, well, this this window of divination was quite opaque. We were still all working on our own inner wisdom and trusting that what came was meant for a larger purpose. And so when I said to her that I saw lots of slamming doors and lots of yelling, that didn't resonate with her at all. Yet the experience was the same for myself. I still experienced all those images and all those sensations by looking at simply looking, simply looking at a person's eyes for 10 minutes. If glamor is on the surface, it is beauty in disguise. It is, comes to us In the form of LED screens, it comes to us in the form of propaganda from magazines, from sensationalist titles. It delights the ego and dazzles the senses, glitter, plastic colors that do not exist in nature. But beauty brings us into a space beyond time and beyond space, just like that eye-gazing activity. In Greek, the idea of beauty is related to the same idea of to call. So when we find or experience beauty, we feel called, but the calling can come from different places. Glamour is the glimpses of artificial beauty that we humans create to pull people into experiences that they might not actually want. And beauty does not stay forever. It does not linger for long. It it, it just visits. And so as we were in that space of gazing into each other's eyes, we started to find that the beauty that we were experiencing was not coming from being with them. It was actually being with ourselves. See, when we come into a space of cultivated presence, the separation between ourselves and the world around us becomes very permeable, very permeable. This loose framework around which we see our world and distinguish it from somebody else's world becomes more and more mm, unsteady. Now, in that unsteadiness, it can cause us to question our discoveries of beauty, They come from within and seek more and more and more and more instances in which the outside world brings us into that same quality of divine presence because it is so easy to trust what comes from outside and doubt what comes from within. That's why it's easy to start with a tree. It's easy to start by loving an animal. It's easy to start by loving a flower, caressing a flower, talking nicely to a flower, or how respect to a tree. It's easy to start there. And then gradually, 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 we work into a place in which we start to even love humans, even those in their most challenging form, deformities anger, aggression, they're all there to greet us in some way. And perhaps the trapping of the mortal vessel that is being human is that we don't like to see what is the worst elements of ourselves come back to us. This is why mirrors are such tricky portals and each one can be so truthful and so insidious at the same time. No mirror is the same. Just in the same way we open ourselves to view our bodies or gaze into each other's eyes, we are deepening a sense of vulnerability from which we have to love whatever comes up. And if we don't love whatever comes up, then we will only ever exist on the surface. We'll be skipping in our life like a rock does on the top of the water. We have to relax and allow it to drop deeper and deeper into the darkest of places. There's a quality of gaze that comes when you know yourself, in which you look kindly upon all things. And when you do that, everything around you looks kindly upon you. Being within nature is how we return to this grounded state of divine presence. Because nature reflects such tremendous everlasting beauty and then death in the same image. It reminds us of the home within ourselves, which we carry around. (laughs) This body that we love that is going to disappear. And she can show us the truth of ourselves because Mother Nature is the one who gifted us with this body and its senses. So she knows exactly how to delight all of them. And the more we can spend time in beauty, the more we can start to visit the beauty that summons from within, and the more that we can spend time in silence, the more we can start hearing the quiet voice which is guiding us back to our real truth, our real beauty. The same thing that is within us from the day we're born is within us right now. Let's try it from a different angle. As I look out On this brilliant sunny day today, I see that the thick green grass, which is normally featureless under grey clouds for long periods of time, now is populated with small speckles of white daisies and the golden glow of dandelions, which is such a reminder that beauty was always there just underneath this blanket of green, waiting for the sunlight to bring it into being. The daisy particularly is a beautiful flower because it constricts itself when it's without the glow of the sun to call it to open. But that constriction isn't so much of a defeat as or sadness as much as it is a retreat, a retreat to safety, to protect the delicate flowers from the cold drafts that come when the sun is away. The daisy is a symbol of innocence, of purity. It's associated with newborn babies. You would give them to a new parent. And maybe it's because they're so small that they start renewed each day as they open up under the glow of the sun. There's a story about the daisy who is intimidated by all of the brilliant, bright, and radiant, colorful flowers, like the tulip, or especially the rose, or the daffodil, which come out in spring. And all of these different... Uh, so, so she feels a little bit insecure, let's call it. She's small, she's delicate, she doesn't have much to peer above, and yet she still is, is invited to a party of the rose, I mean, imagine the party of a rose, it must be gallant, it must be extravagant. And she is reluctant to go, because she feels a little bit unworthy, nervous. Nervous is the mm, anxiety that comes to any of us that are invited to a party. Almost as if we are unworthy of even the invitation sometimes. And so Daisy, feeling as if she's naked, practically, without any color, is instead of turned away at the door... Gifted by the rose, a speckle of red, a little violet, right around the base of her leaves. And so with this little bit of color, which she only shows when she's the most open, she is able to carry herself into the bar, into the ball, into the rose's party. And I didn't even know that daisies could have that tiny purple color especially on the tips of the leaves sometimes or at the base until you get down really close barefoot in the grass and there she is with that everlasting white radiant petal around a almost conical geodesic center of brilliant yellow and then the speckle of purple, right on the interior. It's just another way that nature reminds me of this same central theme, that we must open fully in order to experience the deepest quality of being. And that vulnerability or resistance to it is just an invitation to go deeper. And that when we do open... Just as the daisy does, she is able to see, as we are, that there's a part of us in every single person we meet. Even if that part is nervous to be seen, we can still see it and acknowledge it, and maybe even bring it out to the open, and then, as a result, with a little bit of laughter and a smile, bring everybody back into a being of inner beauty, witnessed through the radiance of another person. John O'Donohue writes that the world cannot ruffle the dignity of a soul that dwells in its own tranquility. Gradually, this serenity will begin to pervade our seeing and change the way we look at things. People who know or have known great suffering in their life, in which they have experienced the full weight of the burden of their being, often find treasure within it. And then they look upon the world with the softest gaze. This episode is an invitation to cultivate that inner tranquility by spending time with yourself, by disconnecting from the glamour of the material world to slowly And delicately and with the utmost compassion, invite stillness to be your guide into exploring the vulnerability of being human. And it's also an invitation to when you're greeting another person, to breathe with it. And as you want to look away, take a breath instead. Now, it's not going to happen all at once, and it certainly doesn't happen in a straight line. But the more we're able to cultivate a peaceful inner world, the outer world will reflect such. I invite you now with me to meditate very briefly, four or five minutes, which may be a short time for some of you and a long time for others. Just wherever you are now, even if you don't want to close your eyes, just feeling your body, feeling the weight of it on your feet or on your seat or on your back. And if you do close your eyes, finding a warmth in the center of your chest, a softening. And as you find this softening in your chest, imagine it expanding. Expanding into your shoulders. Into your neck. Into your waist, into your hips, into your knees. Until that warmth encompasses your whole body. And then imagine that warmth moving outside of your body until whether it's the sound of the air conditioner or the sound of birds outside or the rain on the ceiling, it's all within the same presence, the same warmth. And now I'd like to invite you to listen with a quality that hears everything as if it's from within, so that even the sound of my voice comes from within you. And that means that when I speak, you speak and we're just observing this shared presence. Presence that is indistinguishable. Thoughts move on like clouds in the sky, and always going back to that still presence. The thought you had a minute ago is long gone. The time we were listening to this podcast even further, long gone. And now that you are everything, you are the sun in the sky, you are the car outside, I would like you to look upon yourself from this place of presence, See all the trials and identifications, all the feelings, all the sensations, all the doubt, all the worry. And you can bless this person from this space of presence as a saint would bless a pupil. Wish them love, wish them peace. This place of presence is available to you all the time. Even on the busiest of days. Even when you're speaking to a stranger. Or with your beloved. The beauty that they bring to you. Is coming from within. And it can be found. Without them. And as you sit there, beginning to come back into your body now, I'm going to close with a little short blessing. As stillness in stone to silence is wed, may your heart be somewhere a god might dwell. As a river flows in ideal sequence, May your soul discover time is presence As the moon absolves the dark of distance May thought-light console your mind with brightness As the breath of light awakens color May the dawn anoint your eyes with wonder As spring rain softens the earth with surprise May your winter places be kissed by light As the ocean dreams to the joy of dance, may the grace of change bring you elegance. As clay anchors a tree in light and wind, may your outer life grow from peace within. As twilight fills night with bright horizons, may beauty await you at home beyond. That's a blessing from John O'Donohue, And with it, we close this episode of A Quiet Voice. As always, I wish you peace and presence. May you find time in stillness to explore the inner beauty. And I'll talk to you next time. Goodbye for now. Now, before I go at risk of disturbing your now tranquil place, I want to invite you to the Quiet Voice podcast group. There's a link in every single description of every episode. Um, And if you ever need an invitation or struggle to come into it, um, you can always message me directly on a quiet voice podcast on Instagram, and I'll be happy to help you in this group. That is where we're going to be opening even deeper by inviting a sense of community into all of you so that there's not just me holding you accountable for this creative and spiritual expansion, but each other. And you're able to witness through different levels how we're all able to open up to more beautiful beings when we are experiencing vulnerability. And what a better place to do so Then in the spirit of all those who are called to the same place, this podcast, I would be delighted to see you join. That's it. Goodbye for now.